Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Stevens Creek Church. How you feeling? Yeah, it is a good day to be in church. I'm so glad to see all of your wonderful faces. But before we continue, can we give a shout out to our South Augusta campus? We are one church in two locations. What's up, guys? It's so good to see y'all and be in worship with you this morning. Uh, Y'all, for the last two weeks, I have been on paternity leave. And after the first week, I called my wife's grandmother and said, "Uh, I will buy your ticket. Can you get here? And she is flying in today. So praise the Lord. God is moving in 21 days of prayer. Uh, You know, I I just realized I wasn't equipped and prepared to be a stay-at-home dad, but I am equipped and prepared to share the word with you this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 12, starting at the 13th verse. Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 13. And it reads, later the leaders sent some Pharisees Later, the leader sent some Pharisees and supporters of Herod to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin. And the word there he uses is Daenerys. And I'll tell you, when they handed it to him, he asked, whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. I want to talk to you for a few moments on the subject matter. It's a trap. It's a trap. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to share today. I pray you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was talking to my mother this week, and I was reminding her of something that I did. And uh, this may not be something you know about me, but uh, before, I used to love playing pranks. I enjoyed them. I I love playing pranks. And uh, when I was about 13, I played a prank on my mother. We had gone down to Florida to visit my grandparents, and it was the first time I learned that my mom was deathly afraid of lizards. This woman who is from the island, from Jamaica. Jamaica is afraid of these little critters, not the big ones, but the little critters that are more afraid of you than you are of them. When she sees them, she runs, she screams. You, you would think she was in a panic. She is jumping, running, doing all the things. And my wonderful 13-year-old mind, when I got back home, I went to the dollar store and took my birthday money and bought all the toy lizards that I could find. I went to our basement, and our basement had the washer and dryer in it and I set it up that when she pulled on the sheet all of the rubber lizards would come out. I was waiting with great anticipation as she walked down the steps and right before she grabbed the sheet my sister yelled out it's a trap 
But it was too late. She grabbed it. She started panicking, running, screaming. And y'all, I got a good laugh and joy out of it. I, I, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say, yes, I did enjoy it. Um, but the Lord has delivered me and y'all pray for me. I don't do pranks anymore. Uh, it was junior year of college ruined that for me. But that's another story for another day. But here's the reality. Is that in our world, traps are set for us. Anything that uh, you see today, almost everything, uh, most of us are approaching with hesitation because it seems like there could be a trap involved. Uh, if you ever went to a timeshare, hey, you come here for free and we just put you in this uh, short little uh, seminar and then you can go and enjoy yourself. Y'all, it's a trap. It's a trap. Uh, you, you just, uh, uh, you go to, to different places and they have all of these things set up. Uh, you ever gone and your kids see one of those things at the fair and you just throw the dart one time. It looks so easy. Y'all, it's a trap. But the biggest trap and the truth I want you to know this early in this sermon is that the enemy of your soul desires to set traps for you. He desires to trap you. This has been his intention from the beginning. He has desired to trap humanity. From Genesis 3 and 1, he traps Eve in a trap of disobedience. In Genesis chapter 16 and 3, Sarah is trapped in the trap of unbelief. In Exodus 2 and 12, Moses is trapped in uh, uh, the trap of impatience. In 1 Samuel 15 and 24, Saul is trapped in the trap of insecurity. And in 1 Kings chapter 22 and verse 14, Ahab is trapped in the trap of pride. Y'all, the enemy is after us to trap us in any way that he can. The enemy wants to trap you. And here's the reality. Traps come and desire to set up strongholds in our lives. Pastor Marty says it like this. Strongholds are lies that we believe. And I don't know about you, but uh, some of us in this room and uh, many of us have sensed that there is a push or an attack against um, those in the body of Christ. There may be a season that some of you are feeling like you've been placed in a trap, but I've got good news for you. The enemy only traps those who have become a threat. So if you feel like there is some difficulty in your life, all that means is hell is scared of who God has created you to be. All that means is hell is nervous about you walking into what God has called you to be. The enemy only traps those he sees as a threat. All right. See, those traps show up in many different ways. They, they show up in your home. Uh, they show up in your marriage. They show up on your job. They show up in our nation. They show up everywhere you look. He is trying to set traps. And in our biblical story today, Jesus has become a threat and the Pharisees and the Herodians have set a trap for him. But Jesus did not just become a threat in Mark chapter 12. In fact, they were okay with Jesus healing and doing different things. But something shifts in Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, that tells the story of Jesus healing a man with a withered hand. They were in the synagogue and they were watching and Jesus heals this man. And verse 6 is so funny. At verse 6, they say, at once they left. 
them being the Pharisees, at once they left and met with supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. They wanted to set a trap on him. They wanted to trap him and silence him. And this is why uh, Jesus had become a threat. And this is why Jesus was so dangerous. Jesus was not a threat. Uh, Jesus, the biggest threat that Jesus posed is not just that he saves, but that he unites. This is what makes Jesus so dangerous is that they had built up all these walls of separation. But Jesus came to break down every dividing wall that he moved in the Jews and the Gentiles, that he moved in the poor and the rich that he moved in the saved and the unsaved that he moved in the democrats and the republicans that he moved in the black and the white that he moved wherever he unites wherever jesus shows up unity shows up and i'm so glad to be a part of a church that says at the cross of jesus we're united i don't care where you come from i don't care where you've been where jesus is there is unity this was the prayer of jesus he says let them be one even as you and i are one what he prayed to his father. And this is what made Jesus so dangerous to them. Because people from all walks of life found hope in him. And people from everywhere found hope within his disciples, y'all. In a couple of chapels, chapters earlier in Mark, or in, later in Mark chapter 3, Jesus has people who work for the Romans in his disciples and people who are trying to overthrow the Romans and his disciples. He got people who are rich in his disciples, and he got people who are poor in his disciples. There is a broad spectrum of people who are following Jesus, and that's because Jesus has come and in a way has united people in a way that has never happened before. This is why he is such a threat to the status quo and in our scripture today, in Mark chapter 12, verse 13 through 17, Jesus has laid, or, or rather the scripture lays out the culmination of their plotting and planning. Here is the trap that they lay for Jesus. They have plotted to kill him, plotted to destroy him. But my brothers and sisters, what their trap ultimately does is reveal the places that they have gotten stuck and caught and succumbed to traps of the enemy. And in this, I believe there are lessons for us to help us not to get stuck, not to get trapped by things that the enemy desires to trap us in. Here's the first thing that shows up in the text. And remember, a trap is a lie or a stronghold is a lie that we believe. And this is what the trap desires to do to erect and uh, set up strongholds. Here's the first one, that political power matters more than spiritual power. You see, the Pharisees in this day, they were the religious rulers of the day. And instead of seeing Jesus as the answer, they saw him as a threat. And in order to uh, silence that threat, they wanted to use political means to shut him up. You see, they thought they knew how to answer the issue that showed up in their culture and society. They saw Jesus as a threat and they wanted to use political measures to handle a spiritual problem. The reality is Jesus had always confessed to them that the way they thought he was going to do it wasn't what he was going to do. 
In fact, in John chapter 18 and verse 36, he says, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it was, my followers would not have let uh, me be handed over to the Jewish leaders. My kingdom is not of this world. They were trying to maintain order and control through a method that had little substance. My brothers and sisters, the challenge for uh, the Pharisees and the Herodians is that the two did not like each other, but they disliked Jesus more. And they thought their unity would cause Jesus to be defeated. But see, what they didn't realize is political power is temporary. But Jesus' kingdom is eternal. And what Jesus is building is bigger than anything that is built on earth. What Jesus is doing is greater than any uh, uh, thing that they were building on earth politically because spiritual authority matters more. And this is what Jesus is trying to explain and express to them. And they have missed it. His kingdom is not of this world. The reality is there were some real problems and some real situations. And these were two schools of thoughts on how to handle these particular situations. But what they missed is the answers they were searching for, the things they were looking for were right in front of them. Jesus was right there, and instead of seeing him as a solution, they saw him as a problem. Instead of seeing him as the answer, they saw him as a threat. You see, it had blinded them. The truth of the matter, anything we follow other than Jesus will lead us astray. Anything or anyone we follow more than we follow Jesus will lead us astray. It's the truth of the matter that we are all susceptible to being led astray. It is wired in our DNA. From the beginning, we have a, a susceptibility towards deception. We can all be deceived. Here's what Paul says, one of the greatest apostles in 1 Corinthians uh, 4, verse 4. He says, my conscience is clear, but it doesn't mean I'm right. The Lord himself will examine and decide. Here's what he noticed says, if I'm not careful, I will depend on human efforts instead of divine empowerment. I will depend on human mechanisms for a solution that requires divine intervention. The Pharisees and the Herodians, they were both Jews, but they had been deceived. My brothers and sisters, this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to trap us in deception, to see truths and lies the wrong way. But there's good news. There's an antidote to that. And the antidote to deception is discernment. And more than ever before, we need to pray, Lord, give us discernment to see the difference between human power and divine empowerment. Give us discernment to see truth from lie. Give us discernment to know your will. We need the discernment of the Lord to guide us because the enemy would trap us in something that is less than what God has for us. 
is what the Pharisees and the Herodians don't realize is as they are attempting to trap Jesus, they have succumbed to traps themselves. Here's the second trap that they succumb to. is the trap that God doesn't see our motives. This is dangerous. Look, look, look at the flowery, flattery language that they used. They said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. You know, Scripture says that people have the form of godliness but deny the power thereof. These folks said the truth, but their heart wasn't in the truth. Their motives were out of whack, and they thought God would not see through their hypocrisy or see the falseness of their motives. Well, my brothers and sisters, the reality is that Jesus sees differently than we see. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, he said, God does not see things the way man sees it. People judge by the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Proverbs uh, 21 and verse 2, he says, people may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the heart. Motives matter to God. He is looking at the heart. Motives matter. You know, anybody who's married knows that motives matter. And, you know, I, I learned this lesson the hard way. Um, I didn't learn it the first or second or third year. I, you know, I know my wife loves me. She does. But there would be seasons where there would be an overflow of this love towards me. There would be this entrance of expressive love and affection. But at the entrance of this expression, love and affection, there would be an exit or withdrawal from the bank account. And um, <laughs> I was trying to put it together because it would just happen periodically. And I didn't get it in the first year, the second year, third year. About, about, about year four, I finally, when that uh, entrance came in, I, I just responded with, well, how much is it going to cost? Because I knew there was a different motive behind the words that were spoken. In the same way, God cares about our motives. Can I tell you, the truth of the matter is God cares about the why more than the what. God cares about why you are doing it more than what you are doing. And here's the reality. This is why we, we encourage you not only to come to church, but to be the church. Not only to profess love, but to demonstrate that love in action because your motives matter. We've got to be willing to not only say we are saved, not only say that we love, but do it from the right place. This is why David said to God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right spirit in me. This is why in James, James says, some of you, your prayers are not answered because you're praying with the wrong motives. Motives matter to God. He desires 
for our motives to have integrity. He desires for our motives to have a purity that is reflective of his transformational power. This is what they miss. They thought, if I say the right things with the wrong heart, I'll still be okay. But God desires for us to be transformed from the inside out, not the other way around. See, God is not looking for behavior modification without heart transformation. It's the other way. He wants to transform your heart and let your behaviors catch up to what he has done in your heart. God sees our motives and desires them to be in alignment with what he is doing and and what he is trying to accomplish in our lives. Those were the two, uh, the first traps, and those were the ones they fell into. But finally, now we get to the trap that they had set for Jesus. This is the trap of the ultimatum. They say to Jesus, this is in uh, verse 15, or latter part of 14. Now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Uh, Let me break this down a little bit. What they have done is try to put God in a no-win situation. You see, these two individuals, individual groups that don't like each other, the Pharisees and the Herodians, had come to this point to try to stifle and silence Jesus, and this was a no-win situation. If he said you need to pay your taxes to Caesar, then the Romans would be okay with him, but he would lose favor and influence with the Pharisees. And if he said, don't pay your taxes to Caesar, the Pharisees and the people would love him, but the Romans would quickly execute him. And now they thought they had Jesus trapped boxed in. There's no way out of this. What is he going to say? And he responds to their question with a rebuke and another question. He says, why are you trying to trap me? Then he says, give, bring me a Roman coin. Here's the hypocrisy here, is that they don't want to pay taxes, yet they have the coin that is necessary to pay taxes, but we're going to ignore that part. They give the coin to him. And Jesus says, whose image is on this? Now, the coin was a Daenerys. It was representative of a daily's wage. The the practical implication is you needed this to survive from day to day. You needed a Daenerys to survive from day to day. And he looked at it and he said, whose inscription is on this? And they look at Jesus and say, Caesar. And the way it reads in the Greek is like, duh, like Caesar, can't you see that, Jesus? Like we're looking at the same coin. And then he says to them, well then, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. This literally blows their mind. 
And here's the truth of the matter is that you cannot box God in. God is not limited by your limited thinking. God is not limited by how you think he should respond, how he, you think he should act. God is not limited by the limitations that you put on him. God is bigger than any trap that the enemy would set for him and for us. God is bigger than anything they have stated. And in this, he proves he's bigger than that. In Isaiah 55 and 8, he says it like this, my ways are higher than your ways, my, uh, says the Lord. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He's, he's bigger than that. He, he's greater than that. And this is the challenge. Because while Jesus is playing chess, we are playing checkers. And there are some elements that we will not understand in its fullness on this side of eternity. There are some people who ask this question, how can God be good and there still be suffering in the world? And the answer to that question is, there is suffering and God is good. How, how, how can God be full of grace and full of truth? The answer is, God is full of grace and he is full of truth. Yes, it is a conundrum. Yes, it is difficult. But here's the thing. God does not bow to the ultimatums that we put before him. He is greater than any ultimatum put before him. God is bigger than that. He is greater than that. And th this is what Jesus is saying to them in, in, in this passage. He, he's declaring to them that they have obligations to the state, but your ultimate devotion and your ultimate allegiance is to God. What does that mean? That you, you live here, there are practical things that you have to do from a day-to-day -day while you are living on this side of eternity. You got to go to work. You, you, you got to have a roof over your head. You, you got to pay your taxes. You got to do obligations. But your ultimate devotion is towards God. This is, this is why it blows their mind. He says, whose inscription is on this? They said, Caesar. And he says, render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. In other words, what he was saying is that you belong to God because God's inscription is on you and he has placed his image on you and nobody deserves your allegiance other than Jesus Christ. And anything you follow other than Jesus will lead you astray. But if you follow Jesus, he is the way, the truth, and the light. And because you belong to him, you should give yourself to him. Here's the beauty of the passage. They have come to trap Jesus. And he offers them salvation. They have come to destroy him. And in this moment, he looks at them with the opportunity and say, surrender yourself to God. My brothers and sisters, the way out of every single trap, the trap breaker, is to surrender yourself to God. 
Scripture says, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Jesus bled and died on a cross for your salvation. You were created in the image of God. His inscription is on your life. The way out of every trap is to surrender ourselves to God. We need to surrender, surrender our lives to God. Here's, here's what Romans 12 and 1 he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Surrender your life to God. Give him your actions. Let God be in charge of the decisions that you make. Not only do we surrender our life, but we need to surrender our mind. Philippians 2 and 5 said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. I know there is chaos going around. I know there is worry and anxiety within our minds, but here's the opportunity that we have. We get to surrender it to Christ and let the mind of Christ be in us. He will give us rest for our agony, peace for our anxiety. He will give us clarity for our chaos. We need to surrender our minds to him. But ultimately, my brothers and sisters, what we need to surrender to God is our heart. Surrender our hearts to him. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Proverbs 23 and 26. He says, my son, give me your heart. Let your eyes delight in my ways. My daughter, give me your heart. Because I can do more with it than you can do on your own. Give me your heart because I have a plan for your life. And I know the enemy wants to trap you. I know the enemy wants to stop you. But here's the good news. If you surrender to me, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against you shall be condemned. If God be for you, who can be against you? But surrender your heart. And I could do more with it. And this is the beauty of this story. These are wicked people who come to try to kill Jesus. And at the end, he offers them salvation. He offers them life. Y'all don't do that to me because I'm not that saved. But Jesus offers a way of escape from every trap that the enemy sets. What's the end result of this? Verse 17. And they were amazed. This is the good news. Is that every encounter with Jesus ends in amazement. This is the good news. And here, here's my last point to you. Is get ready to be amazed by God. 
Y'all, we've already seen God do some incredible things in the middle of a pandemic. Right there at South, y'all, I'm talking to you in the middle of a pandemic pandemic instead of decreasing you guys are exploding and growing in the middle of a pandemic we are opening new wings and building new things and more people are coming to Jesus and to service there we can celebrate the amazing things that God is doing he is doing great and marvelous things get ready to be amazed how God brings people together. Get ready to be amazed how God works miracles. Get ready to be amazed how God answers prayers. Jesus has showed up and an encounter with Jesus will end in you being amazed. Look at this. They showed up and they didn't like him. But at the end of the story, they are looking up at all at our Savior. I'm telling you, this world will look in awe at Jesus. Scripture says, if I be lifted up, this is what Jesus said, I will draw all people to me. We get an opportunity to celebrate Jesus. Create environments when people can have an encounter with Jesus. And where there is an encounter with Jesus, people will be amazed this is my encouragement to you today. Get ready to be amazed by God. I don't know what's going on in your marriage, but get ready for God to amaze you, to blow your mind. I don't know what's going on at work, but get ready for God to perform miracles, to allow these dead things to come alive again. The dream you gave up on, the things that you walked away from, God is going to amaze you. He's going to blow your mind. You thought there was an ultimatum, but God is going to show you a third way, a way that ends in you giving him glory and praise and honor because he deserves it that's the end result of all things that we glorify and magnify God I want to pray with you and there's two people I really want to pray for the first is you who need to accept this offer of salvation God offers Jesus offered to the Pharisees and the Herodians he offers to you he offers to me. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're in South Augusta. Maybe you're in this room right now. You need to accept that free gift of salvation. I want to pray with you. Today is your day. But there are some of you who are dealing with difficulties. You're facing traps. You're, you're facing fights. I want to pray that you see victory, that you will see miracles. You'll see God show up in your life like never before. Let's pray. God, we thank you and honor you for this day. We bless your name knowing that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. God, we're so grateful that you have sent your word to encourage us, to warn us. You did not want us to be unaware. God, give us discernment so we are not led astray. God, give us pure hands and pure hearts and pure motives. God, help us to depend on you, not to box you in, but to follow you in the wilderness wherever you may lead. God, help us to surrender our lives to you, to surrender our, our, our lives to you, to surrender our minds to you, but ultimately to surrender our hearts. God, for the person who hasn't said yes to you today, for the person who has walked away and needs to come back home, let today be that day. And if that's you, 
I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, save me. Change me. Make me into the person that you want me to be. I give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me new. And Father, for every single person that is facing difficulty, that is in the midst of a trap, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would show up mighty and strong, God. Lord Jesus, no weapon formed against your children shall prosper. Lord Jesus, let God arise and enemies be scattered. You are the God of miracles. You are the God of wonders. And we believe you to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. Let victory and miracles reign in this house. In Jesus' name we pray pray and everybody say amen amen and amen thanks for listening if you would like to help support the ministries of stevens creek church please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the give button see you next time